thank you of a truth you were God from beginning to the end we do not argue that fact because you are God God's son we enthrone you this morning have your way with us do what you do best throw your weight around the sovereign father that you are be exalted in Jesus name amen amen amen, amen. amen. we thank God for being alive today we thank God for giving us the opportunity to be among God's saints amen I want to take this opportunity to thank the district pastor also for giving me the opportunity. Thank the local presbytery for taking us in. I want to appreciate everyone that God bless you for being in his presence. Amen. And say to yourself, God bless me for coming to service. Oh, say it like you mean it. Say it like you mean it. God bless me. Oh, you, you, listen, you are the best person that can bless yourself. Amen. If you want to bless yourself, when you bless yourself, you have to bless yourself past the way anybody can bless you. So just bless yourself. Say, God bless me for being in service. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Today we want to speak on the subject, Christ, our intercessor. Christ, our intercessor. Christ our intercessor. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, 1 to 5. After, after saying all this, Jesus looked up to heaven. Take note of this. After saying all this, Jesus looked up to heaven. I'm reading the NLT. And said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. Take note of it. Father, glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. Verse 2. For you have given him authority over everyone. His, his, he gives eternal life to everyone you have given him. Verse 3. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work done you gave me. Now, Father... Bring me into the glory we share before the world began. Amen. Now, we want to talk about the scripture and we want to take our time to speak to it. But before we proceed with the service, I want to take this opportunity to say on, this, on behalf of this is pastor, I want to say God bless you as a local supporting us in time of the dilemma we had in New Haven. You stood with us as a church and we pray through. By the grace of God, we see progressions every day. God has been good. God speaks every time. And so today, be on it that you are before the presence of the Lord that you can pray and God will listen. Amen. You pray every time and God listens, but today God has honored you. Amen. So this is like a track record to you to, to tell yourself that look, anytime something happens, you tell myself that I prayed. I joined the folks and we prayed and something happened. Amen. Amen. So today we are talking about 
Christ, our intercessor. Now, when we talk about an intercessor, who is an intercessor? We hear the word intercessor every time, and we begin to wonder. Sometimes people say, I'm an intercessor. I'm an intercessor. I'm an intercessor. So what is intercessor? Intercessor means somebody who stands in the gap. You stand in the gap. You are a liaison between you and God. Or you are a go-between. Go-between. When we're Ghana, we used to say between. But I came to America, we need to realize that we say a go-between. Hallelujah. So you are an intermediary between you and God. So as you are an intermediary between you and God, which means you are joining both worlds together. Amen? You are pulling a world that is a weight on your shoulder and another weight and you are trying to pull God in into the situation. So today we want to understand why Christ is our intercessor. Because why? This is the reason why Christ came to earth. Bible says when man sinned, man's sin. Bible says man was what? Separated from God. And when he was separated from God, Bible says I sought for a man who is standing in the gap. And there was no one who could stand in the gap. So you could see that in the, in the, in the volumes of those books in the Old Testament, what happened was God in his own way found a way to reach out to man. But reaching out to man could not suffice. But what he has to do was to send a son. And when his son came, his son came as a mediator. Uh -huh. So as a mediator, what the son was doing was he was bridging the world that was lost to him. Hallelujah. And the only way he could do that was now because for him to die. Now, when you look through the scripture in John chapter 17, let's have a little backdrop about it. People are saying, scholars are saying that this was the message or this was the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the last words of Jesus Christ when he was in the upper room. When he was in the upper room telling his disciples that this is what you have to do. So now, then afterwards, they sang him and all that. But we are not looking into all this. We just want to take our time and look into the word. Now, when others also say that this is the scripture that is the Lord's prayer which when you look into it, it's very true because this is the Lord's prayer because we grew to know that the Lord's prayer is our Father who art in heaven right? Our Father who art in heaven. So we, wa we want to defend that. So if this is the Lord's prayer, then which means it's very very important that we have to take note of certain things. Hallelujah. Now, the distinction between Matthew chapter 6 and John chapter 17 is so clear because why? If you go to Matthew chapter 6, when we say the Lord's Prayer, which we say is the Lord's Prayer, then that is what we know is because why? Those were certain things that the Lord taught because why? The disciples went to Jesus Christ and when they went to disciples, they said, teach us how to pray as John did what? taught his disciples. So now Jesus did not rebuke them but what Jesus did was he says when you pray, pray like this. So which means in a way God was directing them in the channel of prayer. But that is not an intercessory. That is not an intercessory. Because he was telling them about how they had to pray. Because one thing is this, he did not debunk the things of John the Baptist. Because when they went to him, he could have said that, listen, you don't have to pray like John the Baptist. But what he said was, if you pray, which means he endorsed what John the Baptist was doing, and then he says, when you are praying, pray like this, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. We know all these things. So now, you want to look at it, Christ our intercessor, who was praying, and this is one of the prolific words God prayed, and it's making us to understand that as his intercessor, 
what he had to do. And because you go, know what, as you go through this scripture, you begin to understand why this is considered the Lord's Prayer. Hallelujah. Why it is considered the Lord's Prayer. Because why? God in his own infinite wisdom had to take time to explain certain things. Hallelujah. Now you can see that this scripture is divided into three facets. It's divided into three facets. The first facet is about Jesus praying for himself. Somebody said he was praying for himself. Yes, he was praying for himself. He was praying for his disciples and he was also praying for all believers. All believers. Hallelujah. So you can see that it's very, very important. But this is not the only time Jesus interceded. Let's clap for our, our best drummer. Let's clap for him. God bless you. God bless you. This is not the only time Jesus had to pray. When you look through Luke chapter 22, 27 to 34, there was a statement that God made over there. After God had taken his time, Jesus has taken his time to say certain things to the, uh, to, to the disciples, then he, he goes on to Peter and tell Peter, 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 or Simon, Simon, the enemy has desired to have you. The enemy has desired to have you. But I have done what? I have prayed for you. That's an intercessor. He has interceded for him. But the word over here is this. I was asking myself, that was a strong word for Jesus to say that the enemy has desired to have you and sift you like wheat. When somebody is going to sift you like wheat, because why? When they begin to sift something like wheat, what they are trying to do is to take the strength out of the thing. The strength. So he's taking his serving the energy out of you. But he says, I have prayed for you. Now, the prayer means that, or the intercessory means, I am re-energizing you for the journey ahead. Because it says what? When you come out of this, strengthen others. Which means that the strength that you have, the spirit that has been given unto you as a child of God, as you come out as a strong intercessor, you are not only interceding for yourself, but you have to stand in the gap for others. It's very important because if you don't, if you, if you are delivered and as you are delivered of God, you don't see the need to stand in for somebody, there is something wrong with the picture. So he tells him that Peter, Peter, I have prayed for you because why? The enemy wanted a permission. The permission here was to make sure other verses, I like the message part. Let's, let's, let's go to the message, uh, the message Bible, please. And let's, let's look at it. Message Bible, if we can have the message, message uh, uh, Bible. Luke 22, 32, 32, please. The message, if we can have that. You don't have it. Okay. All right. Other verses says, it says, I have, the enemy has embarked to have you. Embarked to have you. But I have prayed for you. Hallelujah. I have prayed for you. So when I pray for you, what it means is that when you come out of it, what do you do? Strengthen others. Hallelujah. So we could see that Jesus was taking his time to talk about this scripture and to we know that this Jesus was also become what an intercessor. This week, this or this month is an intercessory week, a month. So we are going to take our time and talk about it. Maybe we'll not finish today. Today we'll finish another time. So today we want to talk about Christ and intercessor, which is the first aspect or the first facet of it. Now, when you look into it, 
what compelled Jesus Christ to pray this prayer? When you read John chapter 13, John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16, Jesus was preparing to leave. Just like when we were in Ghana, those times, nowadays when you are going to America, it's, it's, not, it's something that was... But those times, when you are coming to America, when those times when I was like the drummer, I don't want to say I was too young, so that you... Uh -huh. Those times, I know that people would just rent a bus. Yes, they rent a bus. Uh -huh. And when they rent the bus, and sometimes the bus that they rent, is not a, a, a nice bus. It's a book called Bonshika. And they've written on it, Adumuim. Aha. Uh -huh. I want to break the ice so that we can have service today. Hallelujah. Because when you are tensed, I am also tensed. Amen. So now what happens is sometimes they come in a convoy. And when they come in the convoy, what they do is they will be singing and make sure that they will spend all the hours with you. Because they know as people will cry. Like if you are going, you'll never come back. When I grew up, I began to ask myself, why would people cry like that? Because the person is going for greener pastures. You every time have to go to the post office and wait for mail. And when the letter comes, hey! <laughs> Hallelujah! You are so excited. You want to tell everybody that my son, me too. And heaven help you if they set a time for call. And they call and you miss it. Hallelujah. But now in this, scene, in this case, Jesus was leaving and when he was leaving, he decides to do something. And what he was doing was very, very important. Jesus was doing something and we are going to dwell on verse 17, 1 to 5. That is what we are going to talk about today. When God permits us to come back again, we are going to talk about the second phase of it, which I know is going to be very soon. Hallelujah. Now, Jesus takes his time to talk about it. And when Jesus begins to talk, he says that, Father, Bible says he lifted his eyes to the heavens. Now, lifting his eyes to the heavens, there is some, it has a significance. When he lifted his eyes to the heavens, there was a significance. Because why? When you look into the scripture, when you look very much into the scripture, Bible says in Luke chapter 18, 10 to 14, Bible says there were two people who went to pray. And when two people went to pray, one was a Pharisee. Luke 18. Luke 18, 10 to 14. Bible says there were two people who went to pray. One was a Pharisee. One was a tax collector, which was called a publican. And what happened was, when the Pharisee went, the Pharisee says, Oh God, I fast. I do this. I do this. I am not like this man. Hallelujah. So this man prayed in arrogance. But the publican, when he came to Christ, the Bible says, he bowed his head down. Now, bowing your head down is a sign of guilt. Which we do every time. When somebody does something wrong, and they begin to say it, what they do, they scratch their head. Or they scratch their tie. I was listening to this guy, and he says that whenever he's lying, he has a very high pitch. So when the high pitch comes, you know that he's lying. But this man, Bible says, when you look through Luke, Luke chapter 18, Bible says, the man bowed his head, which was a sign of what? Guilt. Now, in this aspect, in Luke 7, uh, John 17, 
Bible says when Jesus was praying, Jesus did the opposite, which means he lifted his, he lifted his face up, which was a sign of what? Confidence. This one bows his head as a sign of guilt. Because why? He knows that as a publican, he was a tax collector. And what they do was, they take people, they begin to what? Extort money out of people. But this one had not done anything. So when he was standing before the Father, Bible says he lifted his countenance. And when he lifted his countenance, which means that he was trying to do something because, and when we go into it, we begin to understand why he lifted his countenance. Hallelujah. So now when he lifted his countenance, he reminded Jesus Christ, or he reminded the Father, that the hour has come. The hour has come. Now, when you go to uh, Luke, uh, John chapter 2, Bible says Jesus goes to a wedding, was invited. And when he was invited, when the mother, when the wine was finished, because in those Jewish times, what happens is, if you go for said, a party, they really party. Seven days straight. But this one, Three days, the drink is finished. So everybody begin to ask, what type of party is this one? Hallelujah. So Bible says, immediately, the mother goes there and tells the son, the drink is finished. And Jesus makes a statement over there. He says what? My time has not come yet. So the timing has not come yet, which means that it's very, very important. So now, for Jesus to come back after a couple of chapters, 15 chapters, and to say, my time has come, or the hour has come, which means that there is a reason. Because why? The time in a couple of, uh, a couple of chapters back, he was saying that the timing has not come yet. But now he's saying that the time has come to glorify yourself. To glorify yourself. Now, when we look through the scripture, just this scripture, we could see that glorification or glory has been mentioned five times. In this one to five. But if you don't take time to understand it, you miss certain points out of it. The first glory that he was talking about, the first glory was the pre-incarnate glory. Which means he foresees the glory that is before him. Hallelujah. He foresees the glory that is before him. Because why? The work that he was doing, a time has come that he has exhausted his work. His work. And as he has exhausted his work, what he's trying to do is he sees the glory that is going into it. So that was the first glory. The second glory that he was there was the glory that was set aside to be born. Because why? When he was born, People come to what? Celebrated what? The birth. So that was another glory. And not only that, it was a glory of one to serve. The glory to serve. The glory to suffer. And the glory to die. So the glory that he was talking about, I can prove it is in the scripture. Hallelujah. So now he's making us to understand that he was telling Jesus, listen, I don't only have the glory for heaven, but I have the glory for what? Doing everything to save you. Which means that that is why, you know what? Let's look into it. Whenever we are praying, we say something, we say, Father, let your glory be seen. Let your glory be seen, right? Why do we say that? Because we don't want 
ourselves to, uh, to what? Boast of what God has used us to do. So he was telling him, I have glorified myself in your work. Let's go to verse 2, please. 17 verse 2, please. We'll see it over there. For you have granted me, you have granted him authority over all people. Aha. That's the, the might my God give eternal life to all those who have given you have given him. Yes, go ahead, please. Three. Now, this eternal life, that is what we, we know. Uh-huh. Only through God. I want to go to the first four. Verse four, please. Four. I have, I, have brought, I, have, I have brought you into glory. I have brought you in glory on earth. Brought you in glory on earth. Other verses says, you have brought me in glory on this earth. Hallelujah. And the glory here, he was talking about the best. Because why? The only way he can come on this earth was what? To be born. And as to be born, what he's saying is, he's trying to make you to understand that his coming on this earth was being born in glory. Now, not only that, but the glory was to make sure that he will serve and serve well. Hallelujah. Was to what? Serve and serve well. Hallelujah. And then when you talk about the third part of the glory, the glory was glory on this earth, which means that he needed just to do everything he was doing, his working on this earth was to what? Permit or radiate the glory on this earth. So hallelujah. So the first glory was what? For the glory ahead, right? The second glory was the burning or the birth, the what? The suffering, his death, and then the glory was, that the, the third glory was what? On this earth. Okay, now the fourth glory, the fourth glory was for his ministry. The fourth glory was for his ministry. Because why? Everything that he was doing, understand this. For somebody to see this, what he had in mind was because everything that he was doing, he was doing it because he's been sent. So he wasn't partaking of anything. He wasn't taking any glory for himself. So he was telling them that even this work that you have given, I'm doing, it is you who have given me the authority to do it. Hallelujah. It is you who have given me the authority to do it. Because if you have not given me the authority, or have not given me, and then he goes on to say, these people that I'm even serving, it is you who gave them to me. It is you who gave them to me. So I am giving back this glory back to you. As an intercessor, you need to understand that when you stand in the gap, everything that you are doing, you are not doing it for yourself, but you are doing it for the glory of God. He says, the work that has been given unto me, it's not even by my own strength. It's not even by my own what? My own intellect. It's not even by my own how eloquent I am. But I am doing this because why? You have given this unto me. Beloved of God, when God gives you something or you are gifted something, what you have to do is you have to make sure you work effectively with it. Because why? The glory must go back to God. When the glory goes back to God and you have that understanding or you have the notion that what I am doing, God must take the glory, you step back and you let God be God. And that is what Jesus did. What Jesus did was he made sure that he says, what? These people that you have given unto me, 
I am giving them back to you. When you go deep into it, you could see that he even begin to account about what he has done through his word. My question to you is this. As an intercessor, what are you doing to end the glory for God? What are you doing to end the glory for God? I've come to, I've come to a conclusion. When I go to Ghana, I turn the radio on for one thing. Please don't be like me. <laughs> when I go to Ghana, I turn the radio on and I laugh. You know why? I just laugh. It's not because they are beneath me, no. I laugh because Ghanaians can argue on the radio and argue and argue and you can see that somebody will spend like five hours arguing on one thing but when it comes about solutions they have no idea so I go there that's one of the things I do immediately I get to Ghana I turn the radio on and I begin to laugh my wife will come and I'm like just wait a minute because this person will say, you should have passed the ball this way. You should have brought this ball this way. You should have tested it. And they, will, they can even talk on this issue. But the person that is arguing, you give him the ball. He doesn't even know where to throw. And it's sad that sometimes this thing comes into Christendom. This should have been done this way. 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 It's not here. Not here. That one is in Borga somewhere. That's why it's related to Ghana. It's, this should have been done this way. This should have been done this way. So you, what happened is, you, where is the glory of what is the, is the intercessor spirit that has been given to you? Bible says, he told the father, God, you have called me. You have given me this people. Beloved of God, whatever we need to understand is this. Everybody that comes into our life, they are not there by accident. They are there because God must take the glory out of it. Because why? There is a time coming and this time, listen, if you don't even believe, because people believe oh, you'll be, you'll be saying, oh, bad times are coming, bad times are coming. Oh, so you know what? They've said it, said it, said it, said it, said it, said it. I wanted to speak some the Ghanaian English key English version, but I can't get it today. It looks like it's gone because I'm in PIWC. It's fine. Listen, he says, they have said it, said it, said it, said it, said it, and you know what? We have heard it. And nothing is happening. But if nothing is happening, COVID has happened. COVID has happened. Not only COVID. Not only COVID. Reception is hitting. Couple of months back, you were paying gas for two dollars. Who knew two people will be fighting? Countries will be fighting and, you, and the whole world will be affected. Who knew? A 
and we'll complain and complain and complain, but we'll not pray. And we'll buy the gas. The gas is crying. But if we will stand and pray, if we will stand and intercede, and that is what Jesus thought, did. Jesus saw the need for praying. And you know what? When Jesus was praying this prayer, when Jesus was praying this prayer, you and I were not born. You and I were not born. But he foresaw things ahead of time. And when he foresaw things ahead of he prayed ahead. When we go deep into the scripture, you could see that he began to pray. Because why? Now, when Jesus was praying this prayer, let's go to John chapter 16, verse 33. Look at the assurance he gave before he prayed this prayer. Look at John chapter 16, verse 33. John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me, listen, he says, I have told you these things so that in me, you have what? Your peace. Which means that if you know who you are in Christ and you are tenacious in God, when things are working, you have peace because he says, I am foretelling you this so that when the time comes, you have peace. When things are working, you are confident in God, knowing that with God, all things are possible. You know that even things will work, but God has stood it for you. So he says, I have told you this. I am foretelling you this. So that you don't think, you don't say, I did not tell you. If you know the results of a soccer and you are watching it, what do you do? Oh, tell me, tell me. I know you love soccer. Tell me. If you know the results, what do you do? Oh, you see? You sit quietly. So why are you troubled? Why are you troubled? I'm asking a question. Why are we troubled? Why are we saying in reality the way things are going? But he had already told you and did not only say that, he says, but take heart. Not only be have peace, take heart for I have what? Overcome the world. If somebody is had overcome the world, which means that he's taking everything captive, even before he went to the cross, he overcame the world. That's the work of the intercessor. So you know what? If you have that confidence in God and you have that understanding in God, you have that deep insight in God, you take heart when things go wrong. You stay heart. You are very tenacious. You stand strong and know that my God has overcome. The prices of gas are going up, but don't you buy gas. COVID is spreading everywhere. Don't you go out. Because why? God has overcome. God has overcome. So when he said all these things, then he zooms into prayer and begins to pray and begins to account for the things. Because why? All he wants to do was, he wants to tell this God, Father, I have done this. So now I'm not taking the ownership. If these people don't take time to do it, it's on them. When we go deep into it, you see. Hallelujah. 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 So now, 
if you have this, why are you? Americans will say salty. You know what salty is? Oh, you don't know. Who are the youth here? Yeah, PRWC. I know Sister Evelyn knows. But salty means that you have attitude. Yeah, you'll be so salty. My son tells me this, I'm like, what do you mean by salty? I'll throw salt on you. I'm an African. Uh-huh. So me too, I don't throw salt on me. Hallelujah. So he says what? If you know all these things that he's done, why are you scared? A man was asked to draw peace. And what the man did was, he drew a bed that was sitting on a tree and the wind was blowing and the bed was steady. And he says, this is peace. Which means that things will go rough. But if you have peace with God, if you have peace with God, if you have peace with God, things will go helter-scatter. But you know, they, the Bible says, they that know their God shall do what? Shall do exploit. Which means that if you are very strong in God and you have that confidence in God, you know that your intercessor has prayed and not only did he pray today, but he's sitting on the right hand side of the Father, still interceding, praying the same word for you. Why are you scared? Why are you scared? Why are you scared? Why do you go to bed and you can't sleep? And now he leaves the baton for you to stand in the gap. But you are too troubled that you cannot even take care of yourself, more or less take care of somebody. When we go deep into the scripture, you see something that he tells, I want to reserve that for another time. And I know the another time will be very soon. I don't want to spoil the Kool-Aid. Else when you say, they say, oh, we know what you're going to say, so I'll reserve this one. But he prays ahead for them. But now he tells them, let's go into the scripture. Let's go into the scripture and take our time. For a few minutes, we're going to take our time and just look into it again. Hallelujah. For hallelujah. It says, you have given me authority. You have given me authority. When Jesus was saying this, he's saying that I act in this office because what? I have the power to do so. I have the power to do so. So now he's saying this not to any man, but he's talking to the father. And he says he's talking to the father. He's telling the father, what do you want me to do? I did not do it on my own terms, but I did it based on the authority you have given me. So if somebody has that authority and that authority has been impacted onto you and that is why that gives him the power or the courage to pray for you and I. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, I have been given the authority. Hallelujah. It says, I have been given authority for over everyone. Which means the authority is not over certain people. You are included. I am also included. It says the authority has been given for everyone. Hallelujah. 
Beloved of God, which means that God is not being selective. What Christ wanted to do was this. His mission on earth was to reach out to everyone. But to reach out to make sure that you would be for him. He's just telling God that, listen, I have done my part. It is left for the people to also do their part. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When, uh, when Paul was leaving, what did he tell Timothy? What did Paul tell Timothy? He says, I have fought a good fight of what? Faith. I have done what? I have finished my course. I have what? Kept the faith. Which means he was trying to tell Timothy, Timothy, me, everything that was going on, me, I survived. And since I survived, I did not lose faith. I still have my faith in my pocket. Now, you two fight the same. Beloved of God, Christ being intercessor have done the work. Christ being the intercessor has done the work. All we have to do is grab hold of it and run with it. Standing the gap when things are going off wrong in your homes at your job place, begin to redirect course of things because why you have that power. When we're going to Luke chapter 18, I'm going to show you an excerpt of a woman. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, please. Let's go there. Luke chapter 18. Now, Jesus, Jesus, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them to, sh to do what? Oh, talk to me, please. Aha, to show them. They says they had they should pray always and not give up. Other verses says man ought to pray always and not do what? Faint. Which means that when you are praying and it comes to a time and you begin to faint in your prayer, check your life. Then he goes on to say, There was a woman. Aha, I have that version. It says that men ought to pray. Now, when he's talking about men, he did not only say asshole. Because sometimes we have the tendency of saying, they say you should pray. Me, I should sleep. No. <laughs> because Jesus was so wise that when he said the scripture, even though he said men ought to pray, he gave an analogy with a woman. You think I'm lying? Let's go. Okay, let's go. Saying, there was, a, there was a city and a judge. Now, look at there. Which feared not God. Other person says, the judge, I like the uh, NIV, please. The KJV, sometimes it makes my head hurt. Okay, there was a judge. She neither feared God nor cared for anybody. Now, when you are dealing with somebody, he doesn't fear God. And have no, listen, remorse or have no sympathy for anyone at least he should fear God and not fear man but this man does not fear God he does not fear anyone and Bible says a woman goes there a widow goes there and when the widow went there Bible says the widow went there and said grant me justice 
Grant me what? Justice. And Bible says, this woman goes there every time and was saying the same thing every time. The moral, the moral this thing here is this. Sometimes you pray, God, I want a husband. I want a husband. I want a husband. I want a husband. And then the husband doesn't come. And like, listen, I wanted somebody who is like this. Now, it's all right. If the, 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 uh, the, uh, the, the man doesn't come, the, 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 the stout one doesn't come. Just give me a key and popo. I'll take it. But this woman was very, very constant and said, Give me justice. Give me justice. He was very, she was very precise and says, Not unto you, give me. I will never let you sleep. Bible says, This man who did not fear God, who did not fear anybody, Bible says it got to a time. The man said, Listen, I need to do something because this woman is making me uncomfortable. That is what an intercessor does. Intercessor prays these things happen. You don't stop. You don't say because it is not happening, it's the will of God. Who told you the will of God? Daniel prayed. Bible says the answer was released right there. But the prince of Persia held it. Held it. So if the prince of Persia held it, if Daniel had said it is the will of God, what will happen? Oh, stop it. Bible says, the woman said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. And Bible says, he was sitting down and knocking and knocking and knocking. And you know what? One thing about this scripture is this. The woman was a widow. What happens to a widow at that time? In the widows, those times, the Bible days, they are people that they are less regarded. So Jesus giving this scripture was talking about a woman that the judge could have thrown her to jail and not have any remorse. Just like somebody who was leper. You are not allowed to walk against people. So this woman could have said, listen, the judge could have said, throw this woman in jail. But Bible says the woman was coming morning, afternoon, and evening. Like a three-course meal. Morning, afternoon, and evening. And sometimes add some desserts to it. He comes and Bible says, she was knocking and says, give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. Give me justice. And Jesus says something. And the, the judge says something. The judge says, even though I don't fear God. Look at this. Oh. When you are very strong in the Lord and you can, listen, people will change their mind for you. He says, even though I don't fear God and I don't fear anyone, I will give this woman what she wants so that I can have my peace. Intercessors don't stop till things happen. Intercessors don't stop till things happen. Bible says, Jesus went and stood. He says, the people that you have given me, I have, I have what? I have done my work. I have done my work. I have, and it, when we go on further, I don't want to spoil the party because he goes on to say that I have even made sure that they are protected. Sometimes you are praying and you see 
a shadow. And like, hey, steady. And your prayer stops. Intercessor. Intercessor is scared. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But Jesus says what? I have given you power. Because you have given me the power. And I was doing this in the power that you have given me. Beloved of God, if you have the power of God, if God, before God left on the cross, or went to the cross, if this Jesus Christ has taken time to prepare you and to tell you or giving you a forehand information, why are you scared? Demon talking. Demon chasing. Before COVID came, you were very strong. COVID happened. You are scared. Jesus said, all these things will happen. But I have overcome the world. If Christ did not overcome the world, where would you and I be? We may have an encounter with people who are the virus. But by the grace of God, you got it. But the overcomer overcame it. of the story means that you are a victor. The end of the story means that you are committed into the hands of the Lord. And guess what? I don't want to spoil this, but listen, when Jesus was saying this, this scripture in John chapter 17, he says, I did not commit them unto your hands so that you take them out of this earth, but I committed them into your hands so that you protect them. Listen, which means when it's not your time to die, you will not die. It says, I committed them into your hands so that you, you don't have to take them out of this earth or this world, but I committed them into your hands that you protect them. Protect them. Guide them. You've been committed in the hands of the Lord that you will be protected. You'll be protected. You will not be taken out of this earth. You will be protected. Even in the dying days, God has committed you to his hands. Bible says whatever was committed to his hands is well able to keep. God will keep you from falling. He says, they that minds are stayed on him, he will give them rest. Let your mind be stayed on him. Press on and don't give up. For the kinsman redeemer, the prince of peace, has committed you into his hands, into the hands of God, and is making sure that you're protected. I'm pressing on. Stand to your feet, please. The upward way, the height I'm gaining, gaining every day. Stay